0: Adam Stevens on the pit box for Christopher Bell, who comes out of the final chicane and in his 38th start. Christopher Bell scores his first career win and it comes on the Daytona road course. Oh my God, thank you guys. Great job Adam, great job Pickering. Holy smokes. I'm so proud of you Christopher Bell, the work you put in. Proud of all you guys, the work you put in. It's gonna be a fantastic year and many more after that, man. Uh, Proud of tears, man, proud of tears. Welcome back to the Full Tank with Phil podcast, the first ever podcast about gambling on NASCAR. And after about two or three weeks, we are leaving Daytona after the road course last week, and we've got a couple wonky winners to start the season. So, on this jam packed episode, we are going to start by taking a look back and recapping the road course at Daytona. It was a dandy. Then, it's time to set our sights elsewhere. We're still not leaving the state of Florida. Going down to Homestead, Miami, Speedway, and we've got a lot to talk about here. So we're going to start by taking a look at the track stats and strategy, and then we'll get right to picking winners of the race, some top 10 action, and then head-to-heads. This is going to be a head-to-head heavy episode because we're going to sprinkle them in throughout. And then, of course, we'll pick our three at the end. So clearly we have a lot to get to in this episode. So let's just get right down to it by taking a look back at the Daytona Road Course. There was a lot of hype. We talked a lot about it last week with Jordan. And if you listen to that conversation we had with Jordan McAbee of fantasyonlineracing.com, he was all over the Christopher Bell pick. I mean, he talked a lot about him. And then if you went to his website to read his articles there, he was all over Christopher Bell plus 6,000 was the payout there for anyone who took him on the sports book, so huge payday there for anyone who saw that coming, and it was a good race. I mean, I think a lot of people who took the favorites, I mean, we talked about it last week when we got to the winner section, we were saying we're going to keep it conservative and kind of see how the race plays out, and it really did play out differently than I think a lot of people expected it to. Chase was dominating the first stage, great. Then he was up there, but there was a little bit of a shakeup, you know, Throughout the race, and then that late caution for rain completely turned the race on its head. And now you've got guys who are in the back, they're up front now, and it gave Christopher Bell that opportunity to take the lead. I mean, you had Joey Logano leading the race, and it looked like he was going to be able to pull it out, but then all of a sudden, this 20 car is coming out of nowhere. And what made it cool, just sticking with the Christopher Bell topic for one second, what I thought made it really cool was the pass for the lead. You talk about this road course, but the pass for the lead was essentially set up on the speedway portion of the track, which was really cool. I mean, he was he was hauling ass and then he finally caught him in one of the chicanes, I believe. So really cool to see Christopher Bell get his first win of his career in the Cup Series. Definitely seems like there's going to be a lot more to come. I mean, Jordan was all over it, talking about how that 20 car specifically was very good at this track and clearly he's a, a talented driver and a good race car. So the Gibbs camp off to a good start with what you would arguably say is their weakest driver already with a win this year. So pretty impressive out of that camp. But looking at the road course, I mean, we said we were going to use this as our barometer for road courses for the rest of the year. And I think it it really does open the door for us to imagine more different winners than the X's and the Chase's. I mean, the, the top 10 at the end there had a lot of strong names that were trying to step up and get it done. And it proves that if there is a caution towards the end of the race, it can flip the race on its head. For example, I mean, we had a, a lock head to head pick that we talked about Byron versus Almendinger. Almendinger was in the back of that pack pretty much all race. And then things got turned around there. And then Byron was, you know, at the back and Almendinger finished top 10. It was wild. Just a wild, I would dare I say wonky race, but it was fun to watch and just makes you pretty excited for what's to come. There's not going to be, at least from what you can read into that race, if you want to read into it really hard, there's not going to be just one guy or two guys that are going to dominate on these seven road courses this year. We've got guys that can jump up and steal one. And Christopher Bell proved that. So pretty cool. All around there. And then as far as our picks, obviously we didn't pick Bell plus 6,000. That was a, a big one. But top 10 picks hit for us. We had Kurt Busch in there as well as Alex Bowman, who snagged one at the very end there. So really happy to pay those out. And then I just need to call out, we went one and two in the head-to-head section, but I, I just need to call out why it's fun to bet on head-to-head matchups because we took Tyler Reddick over Ross Chastain and, and we won that matchup because Reddick finished 38th and Chastain finished 39th or something like that. So pretty wild, and it just proves that you're never really out of it in these head-to-head matchups. Um, just makes it really fun to bet on. So it's kind of the recap there for the road course at Daytona. Fun all around, and I think we're going to be able to pull a lot of info from it next time we go back to a road course. So now we set our sights out of Daytona. I mean, we've been talking about Daytona for the last three weeks. We've had the Super Speedway race. We had a road course. And now it's time to get back into the mile-and-a-half racetracks. And we're going down to Homestead-Miami Speedway. The Dixie Vaca 400 is where they're headed next. So mile-and-a-half racetrack. Just taking a look at some track stats here just to get acquainted with the track. They come here once a year, and that's never really changed. 22 races all-time. And we'd like to talk about where the winners started just to get a sense of that data. So they've started on the poll three times. And the last time it happened was Denny Hammond last year. I don't believe there was qualifying last year, but he was starting first and he won that race in 2020. They started in the top five, 64% of the time, and in the top 10, 73% of the time. The winner has only started outside of the top 20 twice And the last time it happened was Denny Hamlin in 2009. So look at Hamlin. He's got two wins here, and he's got coming from way back and starting on the pole. So pretty interesting there. Now, one fact that's a takeaway, and you can read into this however you want, but Ford has only one win in the last 11 races here. So it was Joey Logano a couple years back, but then you got to go all the way back to, I believe, I don't have it up in front of me, but I think it's Carl Edwards. Uh, Could be wrong, but pretty wild stat there. So now you could read that and say, well, can't take a Ford, or you say like kind of I'm thinking this week, they're due. So we'll talk about who we like in winners, but very interesting stat nonetheless, especially since Ford sponsored that season finale race for the championship for so long, the Ford EcoBoost uh, 400 or 500, whatever they called it for a while there. Just interesting that Fords have struggled, I guess, to win the race. So Looking at it now, I mean, kind of an interesting track because they always had this racetrack as the finale, as the championship race. And especially when they went to that final four, that championship four format, it always made this race kind of weird to me because even if you're a fast driver, you got a good car that weekend, you know, you could say what you want. But it always kind of felt like those guys. Got the the benefit of the doubt on the racetrack. The guys who were in the the championship. So now, having that removed is a little bit, you know, more fun to watch. I guess this is a track where tire wear is going to be a thing. You're going to hear people talking about that. And and really, that comes down to you know if you want to look into that from a gambling perspective. I guess you kind of have to look at first drivers that are able to keep it together, able to handle that a little bit, but also how the teams are. You know, who has the strongest team? Because if something does go wrong or how they manage their tires along the way, that's something you got to look at if you're, you know, throwing a lot of money on one team to win the race or in any sort of betting format. So just something to think on here, only because it kind of makes you think like maybe you should be betting on a, a specific crew chief, you know what I mean? Who you trust in that situation, but Nonetheless, i I got to imagine that Mike Joy and the boys in the booth are going to be talking about that aspect of the race a little bit come Sunday when the broadcast starts. So, how do you want to play this when it comes to betting to win the race? The way I like to start off this season, I guess, or the way I want to do it with these mile-and-a-half tracks is I like to kind of play the board a little bit. And I know it's not a, a direct analogy, but I, in my head, I always kind of call this the Goldilocks play, where I take three bears and I take one that's you know, too hot, one that's too cold, one that's just right. All three of them are decent plays. And so what I mean by that is we're going to look at a guy who's going off as a favorite, then maybe somebody who's a little bit way outside the, the realm of possibility, call him a long shot, and then one that's right in between, right? So that's that's kind of what I mean by that. And I think to start, you have to, if you're going to bet on one of the favorites, you have to really pick one. I think this is different than last week when we took all chalk because it's just a different racetrack. And I just don't think you benefit as the gambler taking, you know, the top two favorites. There's just too much that could kind of happen here. And there really is more value to maybe taking some of these guys down the list. So that's why, you know, maybe some people play differently, but I think you kind of have to make a choice right off the bat. So let's get to the picks to win the race. And my choice, because the two favorites right now on the sports books are Kevin Harvick and Denny Hamlin. Both are going off at plus 500. My pick, if I'm going to have to choose between these two guys this week, I'm going to go with Kevin Harvick plus 500. He's going to be my favorite. And he's off to a quiet, but very, very solid start this season. I mean, watching these races right in the the 500, he was up there towards the end. And and we were saying like, he's not really a, a super speedway guy. And they even said that on the broadcast, but then you look around and oh my gosh, he finishes eighth. And then last week he finished fifth. So just like Out of nowhere, right? He's a road course guy after a dismal clash. So two top tens to start the season and no one's even really talking about him. Well, this is a track where he can kind of thrust himself into the conversation and say like, oh yeah, by the way, Kevin Harvick's the favorite to win the championship. So looking at his stats here, because they've only been to this track once every year, it's kind of hard to find people who have been two homestead Miami, a bunch of times. But Kevin Harvick has been here 10 times. So if you look at his last 10 races, he has one win, which came in 2014, six top fives, nine top tens out of his last 10 races. And when I said he, he's been here 10 times, I mean, we can look at that last 10 race stat like we normally do. So nine top tens in the last 10 races, which is just wild. And the one race he didn't hit in the top 10 was last season, which, you know, hey, chalk it up. Anytime, anytime somebody looks back at last year and has a, a bad race, I think we're, we're all kind of just like, oh, it was 2020. You know what I mean? Well, Harvick's no exception there. Um, we know what kind of season he had. It just must have been a bad run. So looking at average finish, compared to everyone else, he's second on the circuit, and he's only second to Tyler Reddick, who only has started once here at homestead so some people might even throw that at and throw him harvick into the first seed but in any case his average finish is 6.9 which is so good in 10 races his driver rating is third out of everyone 106.8 that is such a strong driver rating no matter what racetrack you're at anything over 100 is very good so as solid Historically, as you can get for a race car driver on the circuit, before 2020, he ripped off six straight top five finishes. So we said he's got nine top tens in the last 10 races. Well, before 2020, six straight top fives? That's wild. Absolutely wild stuff. He's starting fourth. So the in the last 10 races, he started within the top five three times. Okay. And all three times resulted in a top 10 finish, including one win. So with all of this at your disposal, saying to yourself, well, I'm I'm looking at these stats here. It makes total sense. Everything is telling you that he's at least going to be in the top five and he could squeak out a win. So you take the historical data, you take what's going on so far this year, the fact that they've been sneaky good, this just seems like a Kevin Harvick racetrack. That's why I got to go with him. Plus 500. He's my favorite this week. Now, when we go to the opposite end of the spectrum here, we're looking at around plus 1600. I'm, I'm not feeling too good about taking a, a long shot like last week, plus 6,000 with Christopher Bell, even though that happened. I mean, two back-to-back crazy odds for the winners of the race, but still plus 1600s. Pretty damn good payout if you were to hit this. So we stuck with Ford uh, with Kevin Harvick, and I'm going to stick with them here. And as my eyes were going down the, the odds list, the sheet for this week, I kept landing on the Penske crew because the Penske crew seems pretty solid so far through two races i mean you look at logano i mean he was up there finished he was first going into the last few laps on both races and got uh, kind of screwed and and the other two also have shown strengths i'm going to land on ryan blaney now this is i could go with logano plus 1000 i could go with brad plus 1400 but I'm, I'm going for the really longer shot here and blaney does not jump out to you when you look at the standard stats All right, so this is much more of a long shot than I'd probably like because I'm so used to finding the longer odds, but these are the guys who have, you know, good driver rating or a sneaky average finish. You're not getting that with Blaney. You have to look a little bit deeper to really get behind this pick. So let's start with just our standard stats. Blaney has only been here six times, and in those six races, his average finish is 17.2. Compared to everyone else, that's 15th on the circuit. Not what we expect out of Ryan Blaney, right? He's the guy who's always usually up there. Drive rating is 80.9. That's good enough for 13th compared to everyone on the circuit. So not good stuff, but you need to look a little bit deeper because recently he's shown improvement. The 21 car stats when he was in the Wood Brothers car... I know he had success there, but at this racetrack, it definitely held him back a little bit. So since 2017's race, he finished 29th. He has improved on every single race since that time. So he finished 29th in that race. But then the next race, 17th, followed that up with a 11th. And then in 2020, he finished third. So when you go to driveraverages.com, that's a, a website where you can look up various stats. They always go back to the 2018 season. And looking at that, the numbers change a little bit because you're only looking at three races and all three of them are when he was in that 12 car. So at that sample size, his driver rating is seventh on the circuit and he's ninth in average finish and that average finish jumps up to 10.3. So you get what I'm saying here. You gotta look a little bit harder if you like the Blaney pick. Now, clearly he's not a shoe in, this is not a, a gimme, but that's why he's plus 1600. This is saying that if he's improved every race since 2017, well, where else does he have to go, second or first? So if that trend is gonna continue, then that's what we wanna see, it's worth a shot. Now, one stat that Jordan threw out last week when he was talking was the fastest green flag lap. And we're going to start to incorporate that, I think, a little bit more in this podcast because that is worth looking into. So that's saying that in last year's race, they rank everybody from top to bottom who had the fastest green flag lap. That's telling you who had a fast race car, and he had the fifth fastest green flag lap in 2020. So all good stuff. It just kind of proved my point that they're building on something on that 12 team. So we've had some weird winners thus far. Would you consider Blaney a weird winner? Probably not. But when you look at this racetrack, yeah, it would be a little bit more outside the norm. So lock it in more of a long shot. Ryan Blaney, 1600. Now we're going to go for the one that's right in the middle, the Goldilocks just right. And this is definitely something that you could call a trendy pick, but I'd I'd just be remiss if I did not call it out. Kyle Larson, plus 800, that's where we're going with this one. I mean, you probably saw it coming. Any, you know, real gambling fans or NASCAR fans kind of saw this one coming. He's got a lot of eyes on him this week because all I can remember, when I think of Homestead Miami Speedway, I think of Kyle Larson only because, not like he had a a dramatic win here or anything like that, it was always because the championship race was at that racetrack. And throughout the season, people, the talking heads on TV and people on the radio would always say, man, if that Kyle Larson can get to that championship four, man, look out, because he's so good there. And that always stuck with me. So now, so we talked about how the dynamics of that championship race with him not being in the championship four, it's kind of a little weird because you're kind of letting the the championship four go by a little bit, even though they say they won't. That's what they end up doing. So without that in place now, you would say that you know the, the leash is off in this case. He missed the race last year because of the situation that he was in and the schedule being all weird. So he's got an opportunity to kind of prove himself. This is his first race without that championship around it. So he's been here seven times. Let's actually dig into the stats. Seven times he's got three top fives and therefore three top tens. And the three top fives came in a row from 2015 to 2017, back to back to back. His average finish is 11th compared to everyone, which is 13.0. But his driver rating is a different story than that. The average finish, if you're just looking at that, you'd say, well, he's nothing to write home about. But his driver rating tells a different story. He's second on the circuit, 107.0. That's what people are kind of referring to. So he's got better races than his finishes show. And that's why I love the driver rating stat. So he's got a new team. And, you know, new team, a better team overall. We talked about tire wear, you know, just the five-team, the Hendrick camp, definitely going to be more prepared, probably, you could argue, than the, the Chip Ganassi crew. I mean, Chip Ganassi fans won't like me saying that, but, you know, Hendrick Motorsports, I mean, they're, you know, top-notch. They're like the New York Yankees in NASCAR, at least they were at one point. So you have to imagine that with a new team, new equipment, they might get a better finish out of it. And he's got 325 laps led. That is more in seven races than everybody else on the circuit except for one guy, Kyle Busch. But he had 10 races there. And he's he's beating, in that category, a bunch of people who have 10 races under their belt. And he's only doing it in seven races. So very impressive there. There's a reason why people said this stuff about Larson in the past. So at plus 800, you know, there's got to be something to it. He started the, the week at plus 800. 1400. The sports books, that's what they released them on. So if you could get them at that point, man, God bless you. But they adjusted pretty damn quick. Like a day went by and they were like, wait a second. Kyle Larson, yeah, we must have forgot about him because he was out last year. Let's drop this down to plus 800, which is still a good value in my mind for someone who, you know, is in this conversation to win the race. So this is time for him to actually kind of put up or shut up. Go out and prove that you can go out and win a race at this race track where everyone kind of jocks you year in and year out when we get there so kyle larson plus 800 good value could go down a little bit so get it while you can and just to recap the other ones it was blaney plus 1600 and the favorite kevin harvick at plus 500. you serious clark next up we will get to some top 10 picks and this is really where we've been pretty good so far through two races and when the odds came out, I had my eye on a particular driver, and I was really anxious to see where they were going to have him with the odds because I thought he was going to be able to fly below the radar. I thought we were going to be able to snag this guy for a really good value because in this section, that's what we're trying to do. We're not trying to take the, the big-time picks and give up a lot of money or a lot of value. No, we want the value picks and the guys that are a little bit outside the, the beaten path to... Take and cash in on some big tickets. But Tyler Reddick was that guy, and the sports books were all over him. The secrets out, I guess. The odds makers are definitely getting better. I'll tell you that. I mean, we've been doing this for a little while now, and I've been betting on NASCAR for a, a very long time, and it definitely seems like they're starting to get a hang of it a little bit more as we go year by year. But he had a, a good finish last year, and and I guess that's what got their attention. So let's talk about Tyler Reddick. He's going off at minus 125 to finish in the top 10. It's because he's good here, and they're aware of it. Last year, he finished fourth, and his driver rating was 115.5. Dude had a hell of a race, right? So looking at it, it's like, all right, well, he finished fourth, but did he luck into it? Well, the driver rating would tell you no, he did not. And his Fastest green flag lap was fourth compared to everyone. So just really big numbers now for Tyler Reddick in that one race, which is great. So you say to yourself, all right, well, is it a little bit lucky? But no, he had back-to-back wins in the Xfinity Series the two years before that, 2018 and 2019. So this is a racetrack. I mean, some tracks just speak to certain guys. And I think that's such a huge deal. When you see a driver like this win back-to-back races in a smaller series and then you come up as a rookie and finish fourth, like mentally, that is just such a win right then and there. And then you look into a little bit deeper. I mean, no disrespect to RCR, but it's not like the guy's in top-notch equipment. Like, that's a really big job that he did last year and it just tells you that this is a track that he loves. So looking at it makes you really want to give up a little bit the minus 125 to take this bet because you know why not right it last three times he's been here he's been killing it just turns out that it's it's more of a logical pick than anything else. It's nice and safe it's a sound pick now because I'm calling it safe he's probably gonna wreck on the first lap and that's it but no you get what I'm saying it's a it's a safe logical pick. And that's really what I'm looking for here, even though I'm giving it up. Now, the other thing about it is he's going head-to-head against Christopher Bell. So I said we're going to sprinkle in some head-to-head picks. So looking at Tyler Reddick, I might as well just get right to it here. Christopher Bell coming off that win, maybe a little hungover on Monday a little bit. Got some media obligations that you haven't really had so far in your Cup Series career. Got family hitting you up left and right. A lot of celebrations at home. Preparation might not be where it normally is for Christopher Bell. So let's start with that, right? You got to get into the the intangibles there, thinking about what his week has been like for this first Cup career win. But when you dive into it a little bit further, these guys, looking from the Cup Series race last year all the way down to trucks, Tyler Reddick has a 5-0 lead head-to-head against Christopher Bell. last year in the Cup Series, 3-0 in Xfinity, and 1-0 in the Truck Series. So very good numbers here for Tyler Reddick overall to finish in the top 10. I mean, shit, some people might have him to win the race. He's plus 2,200 to win the race. With the season we've had so far, it wouldn't surprise me. But let's just take it easy here. Top 10 makes sense. And then this head-to-head matchup makes sense for all those reasons I just laid out there. In addition to that, if you really want to go all in on Tyler Reddick and the eight car at Homestead this year, take him in your daily fantasy lineup as well. He's starting back in the pack 35th. So he's going to make up all those positions. If he's going to get to the spot where we think he can finish, there's a lot of points for you in the daily fantasy game. So Tyler Reddick, I really like him this week. As you can tell, I'm going to be taking action on him in a number of different ways. So Doesn't seem like you can hate on it. That's the thing. Can't hate on the pick, and I'm locking it in. Now, let's stick with RCR. I I can't believe I'm even saying this, that we're going to stick with RCR in the top 10s area, but we're going to do it. Austin Dillon is going off at plus 150. Now, he took a little bit of heat last week. We were talking about his inability to get it on the road course, and, well, he proved uh, Jordan right again there as well as he dropped off the map towards the end of that race. But looking at the stats for Homestead Miami, Austin Dillon's name just kept coming up. It was surprising. So he's only got seven starts here. But looking at our typical stats, his average finish is 12.0. That's 10th compared to everyone on the circuit. His driver rating is 10th compared to everyone on the circuit. And looking at his last four races... He has a 7th place, an 8th place, and two elevenths. So the 7th was last year, the 2020 race. So he's getting better, and he's right around that 10th place mark, which is what we're trying to do here. This is a value pick, and plus 150. Now, if you're at RCR, you saw what these guys did last year, 4th and 7th. You have to imagine that they saw this on the calendar and said, like, we're going to get it right to get our mile-and-a-half packages off to a good start. This is clearly a track that both these guys like, and we're going to nail it. This is circled on their schedule. You have to believe that that's the case. So that makes me go really all-in because now it's a team effort, right? That's got to be the way they're thinking about it. So you like them, plus 150, good value. Now let's talk about head-to-head. They got them going up against Bubba Wallace. And Austin Dillon is 3-0 against Bubba Wallace on this racetrack. This is more, this head-to-head matchup is more about Bubba just simply not being good here. His average finish is 22.7 in what you could call lesser equipment in the 43, but he's got to prove something in that 23. And this is a really big, big race for Bubba Wallace because you have had the super speedway, we've had the the road course, now we're getting into the type of racetrack where the meat of the schedule is going to be. And we got to see what that 23 brings to the table. And I'd have to imagine he's got a little bit more extra pressure on him to kind of show the world like, hey, we're no slouches. And I think that can sometimes backfire. So I'm a little hesitant to say, but it kind of feels like a lock. I, I don't know. Can I whisper it? It's a lock. Uh, Bubba, his highest finishing position is 13th and you know that's a kind of a outlier so i like it austin dillon to finish top 10 and to beat bubba wallace in the head to head matchup lock me in for both of those we're going to get it done last guy i'm going to bring up he's also going off at plus 150 to finish in the top 10 this is eric almarola so bear with me on this because i've got a a method to the madness here as well, because his stats are not great. Nine starts at this racetrack and his average finish is 19.7. Ugh, That's gross. But think about where he has been in his career. And he's now at Stuart Haas Racing. He's been there for three years, decent sample size. That's one third of his career. So looking at those last three races, he's finished ninth, 22nd and fifth last year. So looking in 2020, that race where he finished fifth, fastest green flag lap, he had it seventh, tells you that race car was very good. And it started a historic run last year. This was a racetrack that propelled him into like 10 top tens in a row or something like that. It, It held his season together. This was the starting point, Homestead, Miami. So it tells you, hey, that Brings back good vibes for this team. They did not get off to the start that they wanted, I'd have to imagine, right? So now they're looking at last year's schedule saying, why not again? Why can't we do it again? We're we're two for three with Eric in the 10 car, finishing in the top 10. So I like it, doubling back down. We're going to go for it plus 150 is the value there. It Just seems like the, the perfect value pick when you dig in a little bit past those shitty stats. Now, his head-to-head matchup is going up against Kurt Bush, and this is a no play for me because I I do believe in almirola this weekend, but Kurt's stats also not great, but are definitely better than Eric's. So, they're both going off at minus 115. This is I'm not even going to touch this one but figured I'd let you know who he's going up against right now in the sports books in case you had a feel for it. So no play for me, but if you have a gut feeling on one of those, definitely reach out to me at Full Tank fill on Instagram. I'm all ears to see kind of what I'm missing or what somebody else is thinking with their gut. Now, I, I, those are my locks or, or the ones that I'm actually going to take, but I can't move forward out of the top 10 section. Until I talk about Michael McDowell, I think there are a good amount of people out there who believe in something that you could call the gambling gods. These are the people who are pulling the strings on any sports betting, and it doesn't matter how well thought out your bet is, you know, the gambling gods are the ones that decide. Well, looking at Michael McDowell, I think they are playing a factor potentially this weekend because at Homestead Miami, he's dismal. I mean, it's disgusting. His stats. Average finish is 28th. His driver rating is pathetic, but he is coming off of two great races, a win, first career win, and a top 10. So who am I to get in the way of the gambling gods? If they want to say Michael McDowell is going to finish with another top 10 at plus 650, I am not going to stand in their way. All right. I don't want to upset them, I think it's worth throwing a small amount of money on that just in case the gambling gods are looking down at that 34 car and said, you know what? Thou shall continue with another top 10. And it actually, I mean, it's nuts. It really is. But it's not too crazy because he had a 15th place finish here last year. He's never started inside the top 20 before. He's starting seventh. And last year's fastest green flag lap, he had the fastest one, first on the scoreboard last year for fastest green flag lap. So it's a moonshot, but maybe the gambling gods are going to play a factor this weekend. Plus 650. I cannot resist. I know it's not going to happen, but if it were to hit and I didn't take it, I'd be just beside myself. So put me down, Michael McDowell. Now, before we close out this section we typically throw in some prop bets, and there was one that kind of stood out to me this week. I'm not going to go too hard into the props, but how about grid position over-under? I don't think we've talked about that. If we have, it's been a long time. So grid position, this is talking about the over-under, and the, the number they're throwing out there is 9.5. So anyone starting in the top nine would be under And it's basically everybody else would be over. And that's even right now, minus 115 for no matter which one you choose. So let's take a look at this. Because my first thought is, well, we saw on the track stats, 73% of the time, the winner is starting within the top 10. So that kind of makes you lean towards the under. But then you think about how the, the qualifying is not a factor. And you got a couple guys in there like Michael McDowell and Ryan Priest, who probably are not going to win the race. Like, it would be a ridiculous, ridiculous thing for either one of those guys to win. And then you throw in people like Christopher Bell. Like, is he really going to go back-to-back? So it really takes out a lot of the the guys, a lot of your horses, if you're taking the under. You do have the favorites, Kevin Harvick and Denny Hamlin. But I think for this one, I'm really going to think hard on it, but at the moment, I'm leaning towards the over just because of the volume of, of people, right? And there's still some some heavy hitters that you might be able to, to snag in there, like a Chase Elliott who could go out and get the job done. So um, I'm going to take the over for grid position 9.5 this week at Homestead, Miami. And we're going to see what hits. This is kind of like coin toss at the Super Bowl, you know what I mean? Just a quick one uh, just to get juices flowing a little bit. So... That's how we'll round out the top 10 in the prop section. We're going to be here all day, baby. I like this kind of party. I like this kind of party, baby. So we're going to wrap it up this week with the head-to-head section once again. And I mentioned at the top of the podcast that this is going to be a head-to-head heavy episode. And that's because when you're looking at the sports books, the available matchups right now, we're really going down the list and hitting most of them. We already touched on three of them in one way or another. And I'm going to hit another three right off the bat right here. So my daughter, her birthday was today. And I'm doing kind of a no rhyme or reason type of situation here. I'm just simply taking her numbers. So I'm betting on the two car, the 24 car, and the 19 car for her birthday. So it's going to be Kozlowski over Logano, Byron over Bowman, and Truex over Harvick without even thinking. And her name is Shay, so we're calling it the Shay Parlay. Let me know if you're riding with it, as any good father would do. I'm obviously taking all of her money out of her college fund and throwing it on this parlay. No, but seriously, I am going to just blindly hit this one. If you put this together right now, it's plus 573. That's a pretty good chunk of change there if you throw anything on it. So not thinking too hard into it. I don't know if I would typically take some of these guys. I actually really like Logano right now in this situation, but hey, sometimes we're getting into March Madness season and you fill out these brackets. It's the people who don't give a shit about the sports that end up hitting. So I'm kind of taking this approach like, hey, just my numbers or her numbers in this case, why not? Why not give it a shot? Don't think too hard about it. We're addressing three of the matchups on the board right now, and Close her eyes and see what hits. So, see if we can get a little lucky here on her birthday week. Now, let's focus up a little bit more and talk about three more matchups that are available right now on the DraftKings Sportsbook's matchup section. And the first one is a battle of teammates, battle of even odds, and young guys. We're talking about Cole Custer taking on Chase Briscoe. I'm kind of wondering if they're going to throw this one our way throughout the year, just because it makes sense from a gambler's perspective, or actually from the sportsbook's perspective, because it makes it tough on us as the gambler to be able to predict who these guys are going to come out the winner. But battle of the young teammates here, let's start with Cole Custer. He had a bad performance at this racetrack last year. He finished 22nd. And, and I guess that's not bad for a rookie, right? But when you're talking about somebody like Tyler Reddick, or even Christopher Bell, who went out and finished 8th, it's not a good look. So he finished 22nd, and you say to yourself, well, maybe he had a bad run. Well, the numbers actually don't back that up. His driver rating was 26th, and his fastest green flag lap was 25th. So everything that you're seeing from a stats perspective points to just simply a bad run. I mean, it was a mid-20s run, which, you know, like I said, sometimes rookies just have that type of run at racetracks. We're going to see this. We saw it a lot last year with the, the good crop of rookies we had, and we're probably going to see this with guys like Chase Briscoe this year. Now, here's the question. I mean, does that one race of experience in Cup help out at all? That's the the big ticket question, because when you start to dig down to their Xfinity Series careers, Cole is actually 3-0 head-to-head versus Chase at Homestead Miami in the Xfinity Series. So that really gets you thinking, right? So then you take a look at Chase Briscoe, rookie this year. Now, he won the Xfinity race last year in 2020. They did a double header, I believe, and he won the second one. So the most recent race they had, it was the Sunday race, he won the 2020 race. Then, dig down to trucks a little bit, he won his start in the 2017 truck race at Xfinity. So he's got decent stats here, and clearly, I mean, the truck start, I believe, was his first time at Homestead won that race. He's got that kind of winning, more recent success at this. He's won in all levels except for Cup. So what do you really value more? The the actual taste of victory that Chase Briscoe has right now or the head-to-head numbers historically? It's a really good question, and I honestly don't really know where I fall. I think that I'm going to take the, the risk on Chase Briscoe. I mean, obviously, the sports books don't think it's a risk because they have them both going off at minus 115. But I really think that Chase Briscoe is a stud. And not to say that Cole Custer isn't, but I want to see what he can do on this type of racetrack. Because, like we said last week with road courses, it's the first mile and a half. It's going to set the tone for the rest of the year. Let's see what this rookie has. And you You know, I'm going to go off the assumption that Cole Custer, because of his stats, he's going to put up another, you know, late teens, mid-twenties round, or sorry, race. So let's see what Briscoe can do. Can he get a top 15 and, and potentially snag a win in this matchup? That's what I'm looking for. So mark me down for the 14 car and chase Briscoe against Cole Custer. Just want to see what the rookie's got. Does he have the chops? Next, we're going to move forward to... Another interesting matchup that, when I originally looked at it, I was a bit surprised at the stats, and then you got it—you can't let the stats fool you a little bit here. So we're talking about Matt DiBenedetto versus Eric Jones. So you group this up with the the one we just talked about, little two-leg uh, backpack parlay guys that might be kind of towards the back of the pack. We uh, coined that one last year. Some. Parlays where, you know, most of the matchups really aren't up front, and that might be the case with these two that we are talking about, but in any case, let's start with Matt DiBenedetto because he's had some bad starts here. Six starts, and his average finish is 25.7, and his driver rating on the circuit compared to everybody else is 28th. I mean, that's just piss poor, right? Just shit. But just like we've talked about with some of these other guys like Blaney, like Amarola, He is improving as he is in better equipment. So his last three starts, he's been in three different vehicles. The 32 car, a few races back, he finished 26th. The 95 car, two years ago, he finished 20th. The 21 car, which he's in now, he finished 14th. So he's getting better as he's gotten better equipment. And we look at the fastest green flag lap. He had the second fastest green flag lap last year in 2020. So that tells you that the car was good and has potential going into it this year because they've got the notes on that. So can they replicate that speed and get them up front, maybe with some good pit strategy or whatever? Matty D is improving. He's got the ability to be in that top 15 area. Because that's really what you're trying to be if you're the, the 21 card. Top 15 is the goal. So now let's look at Eric Jones, because this is where the stats can be a little bit deceiving. He's had four starts here. He finished third in 2019. So mid-20s otherwise. So his stats, you know, you look at the the average finish, he's well above Matty D, but That's only because he's got less sample size and he had that third place finish in 2019. He's 14th in driver rating, which, you know, not bad for a younger driver. But here's the catch. As we all know, he's out of the 20 car. And as Jordan pointed out last week on this podcast and Christopher Bell went out and proved it, the car and the team make all the difference. And him being out of that 20 now in the 43 car, it's not, you know, a car that's well-equipped on the mile-and-a-half racetracks, as Bubba Wallace would tell you, and so far this season has not gotten it done because I think this is a racetrack that they're probably going to get even more exposed at. The other tracks, Eric Jones is good on super speedways, or historically he has been, and we talked about it on the podcast last week. He's decent on road courses, so what I'm getting at here is the 43 camp went into the season, they knew what the schedule looked like, they saw what their driver can do in the past, and I think they really missed big opportunities at Daytona. And coming out of it now, I mentioned they're going to be exposed. I, I think you know this is really where they're not really going to be able to make up the ground that they gave up early in the season. That's my thought, just by judging off of the 43's history in the past. So the fact that they're not getting it done already, if, if Jones had went out and finished really well in the, the 500 or had a good, hard run last week at the road course, I would think differently because maybe this team just kind of has it more put together. But I'm going to have to go with Matty D in this matchup. Head-to-head, Matty D wins 2-1 to in the last three races. So that's why i got to go with Matty D in this one over Eric Jones, minus 115. Now, for the Daily Fantasy players, I think DiBenedetto is another good play because if you're trying to get those easy stats for the starting position. He's starting 37th. He's going to make up ground. Those are points. Those are valuable points that he's going to be able to steal. So Matty D in this matchup, throwing him in your fantasy lineup as well. I think he's worth it all around. And and I dare I say another lock. I mean, I like this matchup a lot. Less about Matty D, more about Eric Jones. I mean, I love Eric Jones. I really do. Kind of feel bad for him this situation. He hasn't been able to prove that They've got a good thing going there. So this is more betting against him than anything else, unfortunately. So now we'll get to our last head-to-head matchup. And we've really touched on basically all of them, I think. We'll we'll do one recap at the end there. But we've got a heavy-hitting matchup to round out our head-to-head section here. And it's Chase Elliott versus Denny Hamblin. I mean, the big guns. The big boy matchup here. Let's start with Chase Elliott because this is a one thing that makes it fun is the experience on the racetrack. Chase with five starts here has two top fives, three top tens, good numbers in that small sample size. Average finish is 8.0. That's good enough for fourth on the circuit. Pay attention to these because of how close they actually are to each other. His driver rating is 96.7. That's good enough for seventh on the circuit. And he finished second here last year, Leading 27 laps. So Chase, clearly, it's where you want to be. I mean, if you're betting on a guy, those are good numbers. No matter what you're talking about, whether it's to win the race, head-to-head matchup, top 10, you know, going to give up a lot of odds there for top 10. But you get the drift. I mean, those are the stats you want from a driver. Then look at Denny. He's the favorite for a reason, or a co-favorite, plus 500 to win. He's been here twice as much as Chase, or has 10 starts, 2 wins, Two top fives, eight top tens. 80% of the time, he's finishing in the top ten. His average finish is 9.0, which is fifth. They're right next to each other. And his driver rating is 100.1, which is sixth. So Chase is one step ahead in average finish on the rankings, and Denny is one step ahead on the driver rating in the rankings. It's just crazy how they find these matchups that are so perfect. You've got Denny starting on the pole, starting first this coming weekend because of the the model that they came up with now to determine the qualifying order. So he has started first on this racetrack five times. Four of those five times, he has top 10 finishes. He's a model of consistency. So it really makes it tough because if you're looking at Chase's numbers, they're really on trend to get to when he's got 10 races under his belt, they're really on trend to be where Denny's at right now. So the the question is, I mean, it's a total toss-up. Who's the hotter driver right now? In the head-to-head matchup in the five races that they've been on the track together, Hamlin has the 3-2 lead. So this is where I feel like you can't really overthink it. It's it's too hard to choose, so it almost feels like it's Chase's turn, right? If you look at, in the past, these head-to-head matchups that we've dissected for the season and also for the careers a lot of times it's guys trading punches so for that I'm gonna go with Chase in this matchup he is a slight underdog minus 106 compared to Denny's minus 125 but in any case I mean I think it makes sense if you were to tell me Phil that's stupid I'm taking Hamlin I'm not gonna totally disagree with you the stats prove the case for both of the drivers I'm just saying I think it's Chase's turn, and I think Chase has got that championship vibe. Clearly, it's not. there's no hangover there. He, he's coming out firing from the hip, so you got to love that. So, Chase, lock it in. To recap the three that we're talking about here, I'm going with Briscoe over Custer, DiBenedetto over Jones, and Elliott over Hamlin. Now, looking at the list of matchups here, the only one that I think we're not touching on is Kyle Bush, heavy favorite over Ryan Blaney. Didn't call that one out just because I typically like to talk about different guys in this section than we have in uh, the, either the winners or the top tens, but I'd probably have to go Kyle in that matchup. I could see Kyle Bush going out and winning this race. I mean, we didn't even talk about him a lick in this episode, and it would not surprise me whatsoever. So, um, yeah, a little bit of a lean there, not digging into it too hard. Uh, even though we said Blaney was our long shot to win, Bush is a, a sound pick in that matchup for sure. So lock them in, and if you throw those three that we called out into a parlay, that gets you plus 520. If you throw Kyle's uh, head-to-head over Blaney in there, that jumps it up to plus 985. So do what you wish, and don't forget about that Shea parlay. We'll see if we can catch lightning in a bottle there and get a little magic for this weekend. That's going to do it for another episode of the Full Tank with Phil podcast. Heading to Miami, place your bets, get it all sorted out for the final race in Florida. And then we're going to head to the West Coast swing to the home of gambling in the United States, Las Vegas, next weekend. So you don't want to miss that episode. Remember, drive fast, take chances, and we'll see you next time.